Let's pray together. Father, we do just lift up our voices to worship you. We are just so grateful for the things that you've done for us and the way that you've blessed us and the fact that you have given us this thing called grace, that we can have hope, that we know that you love us as we are and not as we should be. And Father, we just lift up our voices and say thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to read from uh, the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 23 through 25. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. Over the last 15 years of doing church at Westridge, I've learned a lot about what it means to be part of a community, part of a church. I've learned that no matter how hard you try, you can't do it on your own. I've learned that we get back out of a church what we put into it. And probably the most important lesson I've learned out of all is that if the church is going to be a meaningful part of our lives, then we have to do church like we care. That was absolutely beautiful, y'all. Mm-hmm. Very lucky. Mm-hmm. Well, the part that you're not so lucky is you're stuck with me for a fourth week in a row. Are you people sick of me yet? I'm sick of me. Um, we are uh, finishing up this series called Lessons I've Learned Over 15 Years of Doing Church at Westridge, and we've just been kind of reminiscing about the past and kind of how we got from there to hear some of the things that God has brought us to, and mainly just focusing in on the lessons that we've learned over time in how we do this thing together better. And um, in that passage uh, that I read earlier, as I said before, it's had a very significant uh, influence, I think, on the shaping of the type of church that Westridge has become And in verse 23, and I'll I'll start out there and I'll just kind of focus in on this verse and take it down throughout the rest of the message. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Which brings us to lesson number 11. You can't do it alone. That, That word unswervingly is the word that probably impacts me the most in that passage Because it has the idea that, man, we are holding on to something for dear life. It's an image of a group of people all huddled up together, 
moving forward together down the narrow dirt path that leads to Jesus. And in the middle of the journey, all of a sudden, a storm kicks up. And so all of a sudden, our little huddle has to tighten up. And we rely on each other for strength and protection against the elements of the storm. But we keep moving forward undeterred down that dirt path because we're on a mission. On a mission to get to Jesus. And we want to bring as many people along with us as we can. And as much as you'd like to think that you can, you can't. You can't get down that narrow dirt path on your own. God didn't wire us that way. He created us to do this thing, to do the journey together. He created us in such a way that we actually need each other. It's a picture of the church standing together, working together, doing life together as we hold on unswervingly together, protecting each other from falling away from the faith. It's a beautiful image of the church, isn't it? Well, he goes on in verse 24 and he says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. There's a metaphor from the business world that uh, many of you know that I like to use around here, and that's the whole idea of having some skin in the game. I'm just a volunteer here, and my paying job is that uh, I'm an owner in a real estate investment firm out of Naperville, and my job is actually to go around and to raise money all around the country for investment firms to invest in our real estate transactions. And so I spend a lot of time out on the road making these presentations and pitches about some of the latest ventures that we're involved in. And if you ever see me in a suit, you know that I'm probably out there asking for money, trying to look like I know what I'm talking about. But when I'm giving a presentation about some venture that we're involved in and I'm making the pitch to some investment firm, I've done it long enough to know that at some point in the meeting, I can usually predict the precise moment when all of a sudden they'll stop the meeting and they'll ask me this question. Darren, do you have any skin in the game? And what they're really asking me is, if this is such a good deal, how much of your own money are you investing in it? Because they know if you have your own money in something, your heart's in the project and you're going to be more involved and more committed and contribute more of your time to ensure that your investment is not only protected, but it is successful because you're working like crazy because you got something to lose. And lesson number 12 is for the church to be a meaningful part of our lives, we need to get some skin in the game. Because believe it or not, the same thing holds true in the church. The more skin, the more of yourself you have invested in this place with your time and your money, 
the more skin you have in building relationships with other people within the congregation, the more invested you become and the more you want to be part of it and the more you miss it when you're, when you're gone and the more you want God to do something incredible here and for this place to be wildly successful from a spiritual standpoint because you're invested here. That phrase that Paul uses there in verse 24, to spur one another on, is a very strong phrase. And it has the idea that we are to incite a revolution in each other's lives. Like that's part of what community looks like. This has the idea that we become each other's cheerleaders. That we work to help each other to move forward to reach our full potential in becoming the people God created us to become. And we cheer each other on to make that happen. We inspire each other to create more capacity in our lives for God. That together we can do so much more than we can alone to impact people's lives, to make a difference in the community, to bring light and hope into a very dark world. If we can just walk side by side, shoulder to shoulder, as we spur each other on to become the church God intended us to be. Best I can figure, and we don't have any great numbers on this, but there are somewhere between seven and 800 people who call Westridge their church home. And it's an incredible testimony to what God is doing in this place, but the problem is that there has been very few of us who have really some real skin in the game. Because historically over the last few years, and really it's historic in all churches everywhere, is that about 25% of those people are serving in some capacity, giving regularly, or connecting through a small group or ministry team. We don't have... Membership at Westridge, we don't believe in excluding anybody from the church. And so we would say the three indicators as to whether you're a part of the church is whether you're serving, giving, and connected. Something incredible has happened over the last several weeks. And it has really blown all of us who are in leadership of the church away. Starting with the whole giving that occurred over the birthday weekend... The fact that over $44,000 was given in gifts over that weekend, but the fact that hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people who call themselves Westridgers participated in that gift. When the Westridge ministry team that was headed to Haiti to do work was in jeopardy of not being able to go because they didn't have enough money, the funds raised, people stepped up and over $15,000 was given so that that team can go to Haiti to do the work here in a couple weeks. More than 40 Westridgers gave up their weekend just a couple weeks ago to renovate the homes of families who are part of the Huff Elementary School area, which is an area in desperate need. And they did the hard work of helping those families out and volunteering. Hundreds of meals... You can't even imagine how many meals are prepared every year here at Westridge for Westridge and other families who are in crisis or who are in need 
and are given and people who step into situations of crisis to help people with babysitting or transportation or whatever else it is. These and so many other acts of kindness that we don't even know about that go on around here every day makes me proud to be part of this church. I am so proud to be part of a congregation that has that kind of generosity. And it's been incredible to watch the transformation that God is making in so many people's lives recently where they've been putting their skin into this church. Where now there are so many people who are serving in the kids' ministry or in the cafe or ushering or greeting or whatever it is. Or giving your hard-earned money to the church or to being part of a small group or a ministry team because you believe in the mission of this place. And I will promise you this. The things that you do here will not be in vain because I truly believe that people's lives will be impacted for the rest of eternity as a result of what's going on in this place. And we will commit as a leadership that we will always make those gifts and your investment meaningful for the people who need it. The danger is when we just sit back and we rely on everybody else to take care of all the church stuff and we're kind of over here just showing up every now and then and you have to kind of ask yourself, do you have any skin in Westridge? How am I invested in this place? And I'll just tell you this. If you've come to the conclusion that Westridge is not a good fit for you, that's okay. There's a lot of other churches out there, and we really believe that you should be in a church where you are able to connect. But if this is a place that you call your church home, ask yourself, am I invested in this place? Am I giving? Am I serving? Am I connected? Am I just kind of showing up from time to time so that I can kind of get my church fix? Or am I really taking this Christianity thing for real? Where I'm digging in, I'm making roots happen, I'm I'm making commitments, I'm experiencing the life that God wants me to live. Something miraculous happens, and this is what we talk about like at the offering time all the time. If you're not in a relationship with God, you don't get the whole idea of why you would give. And quite frankly, I don't know why you would give, really. It's not until you're in a relationship with God that you begin to grow in how you view the church and how you view giving and serving that makes a difference. And as we grow in our relationship with God, so does our view of the church, and it becomes a meaningful part of our lives to the point that we can't imagine our lives without it. Well, he goes on in verse 25, and he says, And let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but instead let us encourage one another. Lesson 13 is one of the sticky parts of the church. We need to get each other's backs. And if you grew up in the church, or you've been part of churches, you know this is really one of the most difficult aspects of doing church. I, I don't think that any of us can ever pretend that the church is always a healthy place. Or that everybody in the church always treats each other as they should. Because the reality is that the church is full of imperfect people who make mistakes all the time. I have certainly been hurt deeply by people in the church. 
But if I'm honest about it, I have hurt people deeply in the church. I've heard my fair share through the years of gossip and negativity and backbiting. And many times through the years, I was the target. It's possible that you've been to a church where there was less acceptance and less grace than you could ever imagine even being out there that you've experienced out there in the world. I've certainly at times felt that myself. But the Bible says, don't give up meeting together. Don't give up on each other. Don't give up on the church because somebody has offended you or hurt your feelings somehow. The Bible says the point of church is not that it's perfect or that people won't make mistakes because they will. Building community within a church is messy and it's not easy. But it's that we're a place that's full of grace and that we work together to stick it out and to work it out. One of the things that I've learned over time is that 99% of the time when somebody gets offended or somebody gets hurt feelings, most of the time it's as a, it's as a result of a misunderstanding or somebody just wasn't using their head when they said something to somebody else about somebody. And 99% of our issues can be worked out together if we'll just sit down and say, hey, that really hurt my feelings. That really offended me. What's up with that? But you don't just bag it. You don't just cut loose. When the church is as it should be, when the church is never church as usual, it never pretends to be perfect. It never promises to have all the answers or to always have it all together. But instead, when the church is the church, in spite of our imperfections and flaws, we have been so changed by the grace of God that we give grace to each other. And we stand together and we get each other's backs until the end. The last lesson I want to talk about today is that if the church is going to be a meaningful part of our lives, then we need to do church like it matters. Do church like you care. He goes on in verse 25, he says, But instead, let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. Everything changes when the day is approaching, isn't it? When you kind of feel your mortality when you feel that there is something more going on in this world than just the daily grind. I want to be clear about this one thing. I didn't make this whole church thing up. Greg didn't. There's no pastor. Billy Graham didn't. There's nobody out there that's made this church. This whole church thing, this was created by God. This was his idea. If you don't like it, talk to him. But I can tell you this. He didn't create the church for no good reason. 
And just by the fact that it was God that created this place, for that reason alone, we have to take a much higher view of the place that the church has in our lives. Because it's of God. Look, here's the reality of it. Jesus died, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and the whole rest of the Bible is about how to do church. It's like an important thing. He didn't make this whole church thing up so that we could just kind of casually attend every now and then to get our church fix in. He created it because we need it and it needs to become an integral part of our lives. He created the church so that we could become a part of a community of believers who stand together and struggle together, who are on this journey through life together. The church is the only survival tool that we have where we can have any hope of leaving this world with our faith left intact. The church is worth investing in It's worth investing our lives in because at the end of the day, as that day comes, as the world comes to an end, the Bible is very clear that the church is the only thing left standing. The thing I love about this church is that in our 15-year history together, we have faced down one challenge after another after another. And we have never, ever wavered. There have been times when, as a church, we fell into some deep times of sorrow. And there have been times when we've had incredible times of joy. There have been times when it felt like the church wasn't even going to make it. And there's times when it felt like we were just thriving. But through it all, we remain true to our vision of helping people encounter the radical love of God, which is the reason why we exist. And this building that we're sitting in this morning is just another example of all the things that we had to overcome as a church and how God has led us to where we are at today. Let me close by just telling you a story about this place. About six months before we started Westridge, so... 15 and a half years ago. We knew that we were going to meet on Sunday mornings at Elgin Community College. And so we needed a place where we could work out of and meet together throughout the week. And so we were looking for a little piece of property that we could buy. And I really believe that God led us to this little five-acre farmette that had this old farmhouse on it that we felt we could convert into office space and small group meeting areas and this old barn that we thought we could do church events in. And it was great, and we had this real vision that this would be a cool place for us. But being able to buy that property before the church was even started felt like a daunting task at the time. I mean, you should have seen the look on the banker's face when I walked in and asked for a loan for a church that wasn't even in existence yet. But God worked it out. After being rejected by a whole lot of people, my real estate partner, who really believed in the vision for what we were trying to do in starting Westridge, put up 100% of the down payment so that we were able to purchase this property that we later came to refer to as the ministry center, and we were able to get it at an incredible discount. 
And that ministry center provided for many great memories for us as a church from the student ministry, having concerts out in the barn and church picnics and sand volleyball and a whole lot of kids events. It was, it was a very just a great space. And God did an amazing thing, I think, in allowing us to be able to buy this property. It was fantastic. But he hadn't even begun to reveal his plan yet. Just a few years after we bought that property, the value of that property quadrupled in value. And we entered into a contract to sell our little piece of land to a little retailer called Walmart. And the property that the church owned is now where the Sam's Club sits. And the church made over a million dollars on that transaction. This was a church of like 200 people. The next part of the task was to find a piece of land to replace the one that we were selling. And there were a few criteria that we established in the type of land that we were looking for. Number one, we were really struggling with the whole idea of building a building anyway because we didn't want to send the wrong message that the church was somehow about a building because it's so not. It's just all about the people. But we said if we were going to build a building, we wanted to build a building that would fit the personality of Westridge and that it itself could become an outreach tool for unchurched people that they would be so curious about what's going on in that building that they would actually show up just to see And so we say the only way that we could really do that is to find a piece of land that's highly visible along a road that is highly trafficked so that people can actually see it. So a highly visible piece of land was the first criteria. The second was that it had to be affordable so that we could actually build the building that we wanted to build that would fit the personality of our church. But it was our goal that the purchase price of the new land would be offset by the sales price of the piece of land that we were selling. Now, if you know anything about real estate, you know number one and number two don't go together. Finding an affordable, highly visible piece of land in a phenomenal location is not affordable. The last criteria was that it would have to be big enough that as the church grows, that it could actually accommodate growth through future expansion. So those were the three criteria that we looked for. I think we looked at every stinking piece of land in Kane County, and it was absolutely it just looked bleak. It was either too expensive or bad location or not big enough. And we were really discouraged because we really didn't feel like we were going to be able to pull it off. But when we finally gave up trying to do it on our own, it was almost like God looked down and said, are you done yet? (laughs) Just sit back and let me show you how it's done. And God answered our prayers at every level. He led us to a piece of land on a major road where the property would be very visible so that we could build a funky building that fit the personality of the church that made people curious as to what's going on in here. He led us to a piece of land that had plenty of room for future expansion. And finally, the real miracle is that God led us to a piece of land that was so incredibly valuable that we were able to create a whole development. We created Westridge Village, and we brought in a home builder who not only paid for their portion of the land, and through that transaction allowed us to have our land free and clear, but they also paid an additional million dollars in putting in all of the roads and our parking lot and 
the parking lot lights and the little water wall that you see out in front of the church was paid for by the home builder. Thank you very nice. And it was incredible to see how God began working in that place. And we were able to not only build the building that kind of fit the personality of the church, but a building that really became an outreach into the community. We then sold another little piece of land to the bank next door at enough of a profit that we were able to set aside money for the first two or three years so that we could pay for all of our mortgage and expenses and all of that. When it was all said and done, we were a church of 250 people that entered into an $8.5 million building project that $5 million of it was paid for in cash through all of the real estate transactions that were completed, and another half million dollars was paid for from the generosity of the contributions of the congregation of 250 people. And the amazing thing, it worked. I mean, it was unbelievable. And just to add a little drama to the situation, the economy started collapsing. And we literally got our last payment from both the bank and the home builder as the doors to the economy were closing. And let me tell you something. As a real estate professional, it never happens that way. It never works like that. And the day that we opened the doors of this building, we went from a church of 250 to a church of 700 in one day, which was God's plan. There is no question in my mind that everything that we have gone through as a church was part of God's plan. And it was incredible to me to watch as each little piece of of the puzzle fell into place so miraculously that there could be no question that it was God. Nobody could take credit for that. When you see how involved God has been in the history of our little church, you can't help but just get inspired and want to be part of it because you know God's here. And as a result, I think that Westridge really is one of the most unique churches that I really have ever experienced. And the cool thing is, I feel like we're all kind of growing up together in God. Most of you, when you came to this church, you didn't have a relationship with God. You hadn't even been to church in years. And you started out your relationship with God here. And if you did, then you were probably starting over. But we're all kind of in this thing together. And it doesn't matter whether you were here on that first Sunday 15 years ago or you just started attending recently. I think that you have to realize very quickly around here that we are all on a journey together. So that when the storms of life hit, and they will hit, we don't cut and run. We get each other's backs. We don't tear each other down. We build each other up, and we stand firm. And at the end of the day, after everything blows up and the smoke clears, there remains a group of people who are still standing there, huddled up 
together, holding on unswervingly on this narrow dirt path that leads us to Jesus. Helping each other to cross the finish line of our lives with our faith left intact. That is the church. That's Westridge. Over the last 15 years, I have grown to love all of you very, very deeply. And I can honestly say that I am so proud to be on the dirt path that leads to Jesus with all of you.